Tuesday Travel on the Hard Shoulder. Kion Davenport <laughs> promising to take us to the bohemian capital of Ireland. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, um, you can't talk about Galway without describing it as arty and bohemian. Apparently there is something in the statute books that says you have to refer to Galway as arty and bohemian every time you mention it. It's also lovely. And to be honest, it's like most things that you hear about Galway are true. Like it is lovely. And, and like as much as like you can show up and from Air Square, you can down Main Guard Street and Shop Street and all the, and it feels like maybe 30 years ago that there was a kind of a, like an authentic sense about, and it's all being kind of touristified, but it's still beautiful and lovely. But what happens is, is that Galway doesn't stop being radical or arty or bohemian or inventive or creative. What it does is that all of that kind of energy moves away from Shop Street to other parts of the city. Now, having said that, if you're a visitor, absolutely go down Shop Street. Absolutely walk around and, you know, go to McCambridge's and, uh, you know, go into Nocton's or Chicoli or, you know, the, the, the pubs along the way. But also, the, 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 the manner in which one arrives, particularly if you arrive by train into yes. Galway, where you lock a tolia and then Bang! You're Air square. in the it's city. You're right amazing. there in Air Square. Right already. Same with the bus station. The bus station's literally around the corner from the train station. So you're absolutely right. So Galway is all of the good things that you 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 hear about Galway. But and as much as like and and I include myself in the number, over the years you can get a bit kind of cynical or a bit kind of like Ugh, all the, Yeah, because Shop Street feels a bit forced or and it's it's lovely, but it just feels a bit like this is more for the tourists than... It's a bit like what happened to the East Village in New York. Like, once upon a time, the East Village was a genuine kind of centre of foment and, and and creativity, and then it became very expensive, you know? But, so here's the thing. All of that creative energy has moved into the West End of Galway, which is... And when the West End, it's like five minutes from Air Square. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just on the on the far side of the car up. And... And and so the thing, so I was, uh, the reason I'm talking about it is I was there last week and I spent a few days in the city. What do you think of the new bridge? Huh? What do you think of the new bridge? Yeah, it's oh, fine. Nice, isn't it? Yeah, 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 you know, absolutely. But it's a bit like, it's a bit like Spanish Arch, okay? It's a bit like Spanish Arch. It's like, so Spanish Arch is always, like, oh, it's one of the highlights of Galway. And I'm like, okay, Sure. And it's a nice place to sit and it's a gathering and, and during festival times, there's lots of people there. But like, you know, it's, a, it's an arch made of stone and it's, it's fine. And, and in all my years of going to go, I, I have never seen a salmon on the carob. Ever, not once. <laughs> 53106. Uh, no, if you've got salmon pictures you'd like yeah, to show. Yeah, that's right. Having said all of that, so, you know, so I was there and I just, what I ended up doing is a great walking city. Mm. It's a like, look, it's got the two essential qualities that make a city eminently walkable. And that's one, it's small enough. And two, there's there's not anything that's uninteresting. Like you can just go for an aimless amble and you're going to find something like whether it's like somebody selling secondhand records or like a small pub or, you know, there's always something nice. Or University of Galway, as campuses go to do for a wander. It's lovely. And it is nice. And the quad up at, yeah, I mean, that's elegant. That's pure elegant. And and if you keep going, then you're kind of on the road to Uchterard and, you know, but anyway, but so the West End, so, and it's, it's, I hadn't been to Galway since pre-pandemic. Now, 
like anyone who who is familiar with Galway, and particularly who's familiar with the West End, will go, "Geez, Fiona, where were you for the last X amount of years?" And that's fine. But uh, with the zeal of the newly converted, I am absolutely bought into it. And it's not like it's not; it doesn't have attractions or major sites per se. But it's just got that creative energy that people talk about Galway and that people move to Galway to be a part of is in full evidence okay. in the West End. I'll bite. Go on. So the next time I go, I go to the West End. Where are you recommending I visit? Okay, so for instance, one is is that it's really... So I'll give you... So Urban Grind, okay, I start off, I got up one morning and I was like, right, I'm going to go for a coffee. So I went to Urban Grind and Urban Grind is... is not only do they do... Like, if you're a big coffee fan, you like this. If you don't care about coffee, move on. But what they do is they work with local roasters. The coffee is amazing. But more than that, it's friendly. They've got a beautiful airy space at the back with, like, natural light. And you can sit in, you can have a bit of breakfast. Just up the road, there's Kai. Now, Kai is a Bib Gourmand cafe, really. But they do, like, an evening menu. And it's sensational. Um, I think her name is Jess. She's a Kiwi. Who started this? And the food. Oh, I've I've uh, I've met Jess. She's yeah, she is definitely Kiwi, yeah, and has been here I think fifteen I, or more years. At yes, this point. she's been here for quite a long time. But Kai is amazing. Even if you just go in for coffee and cake, it's amazing. And what it is, it it has which doesn't sound like oh okay, so you can get coffee and cake anywhere. But you get it's a neighborhood place. Like when I was there, so I was there a couple of times, just sitting outside having coffee, and. You just see people and there's that sense of this is a very lived city and it's a neighbourhood city and it's local people coming and meeting and it's nice to say, oh, hi, you know. And, and See, I think it's a reproach to the rest of us. <sighs> I think whether you're Dublin or Limerick or Cork, I think whenever you go to Galway, you go, how, how can yeah. they keep it so nice and we can't manage to do the same? I mean, as a Dubliner, I feel more comfortable criticising Dublin uh, because I do it, it comes from a place of frustrated love than than just like, eh. you know, I adore my city. I've written the the Dublin Guide for Lonely Planet for more years than I care to remember. But if you were, if you were advising an American and you said, look, we're going Galway. to blindfold you and push you out of a vehicle in a city, you're going to get on better in Galway than you are anywhere I think you have more else. fun in the sense of like that thing that you're coming here to experience is more readily accessible in Galway That's than it thing. is most anywhere else. Which isn't to say that you can't get it anywhere else, but it's yeah. just readily accessible. It's there. And so, like, say, for example, okay, so on shops, like on the, on the kind of the other side of the carob, like the two... Well, there's ta- three famous pubs, okay? There's Taft's, there's Chicoli, and then there is Nocton's. Okay, now Nocton's is almost like so famous at this stage that like it doesn't even bear mentioning. Um, but like the Crane Bar, which is in the West End, and it's on, so there's, there's, there's a small square called Small Crane, and there is a weighing scales there. And so I had to ask about this. So the weighing scales is from when there used to be a potato market there. And there's been a potato market there for 100, 150 years. And way back when, what they would do is like farmers from all over the province and probably, well, maybe not beyond, but certainly all over the province would arrive up into Galway City with their potatoes for sale and they would be weighed on this scales. And and like straight away, it's just like, you're like, okay, so there's a connection here to like, a long history. And around the corner from Small Crane and, and the Crane Bar, which is absolutely gorgeous trad sessions every night great pint but it's just a lovely old bar to sit in just around the corner from the crane 
on the same street as uh, more or less as all the other places I mentioned, Kai, Urban Grind, is, is you've got Ernie's. Now, Ernie's, Ernie's is something that we are seeing disappear in virtually every other big town in Ireland. And that is a traditional green grocer that sells produce grown in the locality. People come in the old fashioned way and bring vegetables and fruits, etc., etc., and, and and they sell it in Ernie's. And like it's absolutely and, and do you know what? It's like a shop, proper wonky carrots. Proper wonky that kind carrots. Of, but they the also do things like on. I noticed I was looking around, I was like, so I don't know, for example, like they do sleeve aughty, raw honey from sleeve aughty farm like out in Caramore and but it's and, and what there is is that strong connection between the retailer and the local producer. And and ultimately when we talk about like sustainable travel, we talk about green travel, about responsible travel, that sense of like, you know, we want our visit to a destination to be of benefit to that community. This is an unbelievably good example. It's not a sole example of it. Like I'm sure listeners will be able to tell me places all over Ireland do something similar, but Ernie's and Ernie's is not threatened by anybody. Like it's beloved. It's like, it's almost as though it's like you mess with Ernie's, you messing with all of us, you know? And, and I found that, I, I found that so in a world of like, sameness and like, you know, sexy brands, but that they're owned by some mega corporation with headquarters that have nothing to do with us, but are selling like beautiful fruit and and really, it just feels, this feels just, ah, here, this is. You reminded me of something there in relation to the the, um, potato growers coming from miles around to bring their uh, food to the potato market. I have a little weird travel related fact that I think you might like. Go on. You know the stereotypical image of the French person where they are in the black and white stripe with the with onions the around the neck? The onions, Correct. Yeah. Okay. Where that comes from was that was the traditional dress around northern Normandy around Cherbourg where you get the whatever the pink onion whose name eludes me is. But it was often for most of the onion growers it was a closer market to go to London on the bicycle, on the ferry, than to try to go by rural roads to Paris. So if you wanted access to a big market where you went, it was London. And the stereotypical British image of the Frenchman became the Normandy classical dress. That's where it came from. So the, from selling onions you see, in London. These are the kind of these are the kind of little details and anecdotes that like I pepper my writing with <laughs> and appear Just like Just don't really rely wise. on it to be accurate and we're no, all right. No. But, the, but, but the thing is is it's these little stories that bring a place to life. And well, you have one like a big in the notes that I'm very intrigued by, which is the famine memorial. You you talk yeah, about so, a famine that I'm really intrigued so, by. So you go up on Sea Road. So, so the continuation is if you just go and it's like 15 minutes to get to the city end of the Salt Hill prom. And then the prom stretches for three kilometres right around the bay, Galway Bay. And look at, go kick the wall. Why? But, you know, anyway, whatever, fine. But on this side, so you have Grattan Beach and, you know, it's a nice enough city beach. And when I was there, like the weather was okay. So there's a good few people like, you know, sunbathing and going for a little swim. So the one thing that the Galway Famine Ship Memorial, so at first glance and I'm looking at it and you can see it on the far side of the beach and it's just three kind of pedestals kind of rising out, limestone rocks. And I walked up and so this, the the, the middle stone is an earlier monument and it's dedicated to a young girl called Celia Griffin who was six years old when she died of starvation in 1847. Now, Famine stories in the west of Ireland are poignantly common. 
you know, you go up to Killery and there's like the famine walks, etc. And it's really, it's quite startling. And um, But what I liked about this memorial, so then there's newer sandstone, like they look like sails flanking it on either side. And so then there's like a panel, like an explar- like one of these like boards, panel boards. And what it does is it draws parallels between the Irish experience of the famine with the experiences, modern experiences or contemporary experiences of famine throughout the world for a variety of reasons. And what it does is, I think, very successfully creates a very vivid connection between our lived history and the lived experience of people in other less fortunate parts of the world. And I think it's it's an arresting monument for that reason. And I found it like, again, and you're like, and what, and, and it's not an accident, Anton. What I like about, say, whoever put it up, whether it's Galway City Council or whoever, is this sense of a duty of care and responsibility to connect the past to the present. And because all too often, like, you know, you can go to a museum and it goes, oh, dry bones, what a bore, you know, and it's fine. And I'm a nerd who likes history, so that works for me. But but I, I thought this was, again, a very arresting it's, thing. You you remind me of something, do you know when, uh, when you have certain memories where you know they're absolutely accurate and vivid, but you're weird to say them in case they're constructed <laughs> in your head. But I have, I, I live my life like yeah, this. I have a very vivid, and I believe it to be accurate memory, of being a little boy in Spiddle on the beach. And there being skulls because the famine graves at the point towards the end of the famine when everybody had become incapable of digging in hard, rocky ground, they went closer and closer to the foreshore and dug effectively in sand. I have a recollection of some of the graves washing up in the early 80s when I was there and there being skulls starting wow. to appear. And I, I can, I, you know the way where you, I have a, a re- recollection of picking one of them up. I hope it's a real memory, but if somebody remembers back from the early 80s in Spittle, if that was a thing that actually happened, remind me at, or at least confirm it for me, 53106. On that topic, are you recommending Spittle and Furbo and out towards Connemara yeah. and beyond? I mean, yeah, of course. I, it's like, like what's not to say? Like Connemara, like actually on one of the days I went out to I went up through Loch Ina, which I think is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Never mind just Ireland or, or Connemara. It's one of my favourite places on earth. And there's a, it's a kind of a, it's a savage beauty. It's not soft. It's not, it's just, and one of the things I liked is, oh, you know, and you notice it, but maybe you don't pay it as much attention is on the, on the Corrie Lakes and all the various, is like, you know, there's a little eye, the tiny little, and just covered in trees. And if you ever know, all the trees are bent by the wind, you know, so you get, you feel the sense of this is a land that gets savaged by weather, like absolutely ripped asunder by weather. So all the trees are growing in one line. And, and what it does, is it just, and then of course you've got like, well, the Mam Turks on the kind of nearer side and then the 12 bends, once you get to Loch Ina, the 12 bends behind you. But like, and so, and I went up and I, and I haven't been there for years or I haven't been in to Kylemore Abbey. And Kylemore Abbey is amazing. It's an amazing it's like there's a big Bridgerton feel to it. Like, you know, the drawing room, the library are maintained. And what's interesting is so Mitchell and Margaret Henry, Mitchell Henry built it in the 1860s for his wife, Margaret, who he loved. She, they had been there in the 1850s. She'd fallen in love with the area. So he built her this magnificent castle. As you do. As you do when you love someone and you have loads Happy of birthday, money. Sweetie. But so what they, and, and then kind of the tragedy of the, of the, of the piece is told in these kind of panels where you have like Margaret and, and Mitchell are having a conversation because in 1874 they said you know what we need a break let's go to Egypt on a holiday I can't wait I can't wait she picks up a virus a waterborne virus and dies so like they lived in the house for six years together 
And Mitchell stayed in the house for another 20. And I think he was down on his luck. He lost his fortune, etc. So by the turn of the 20th century, he then hands it over to the Benedictine nuns who have run the place ever since. There was a school there for God knows how many years. I think it closed maybe 15 years ago. But now it's just this beautiful museum. But it's really... It's a beautiful place to visit. Really, really nice. And then on the way, and then one of the nice things, just stop, go to the Loch Ina, Killery Fjord. Like Linan is like 15 minutes away. And, you know, and, and you've got the, misun- uh, what's it called? The Misunderstood Heron is the coffee dock that's on just, just outside Linan. Is that the name? Misunderstood- the misunderstood- I think it's called the Misunderstood Heron. Um, <laughs> the but, slightly baffled curlew. The slightly baffled curlew. <laughs> but so, and then Connemara. And then uh, it goes to show, geez, I was there for, uh, like I spent the guts of the, the the week there. And then I went out to Inishmore one of the days. And what I did was, so during the summer, so you can go out, obviously uh, you can go out, whatever it is, like 40K outside. You can get the, and it's 40 minutes across. But I got from Galway City docks. So literally like, 10 minutes from Air Square, you get on and it's 90. Oh, is there one from the city? I thought yeah, it was in the summertime. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. In, now, are you an Inishir man or are you an Inishmore man? I am, well, Inishir probably, but I went to Inishmore this time. Well, because I, again. Which one was, is Dunegas? Dunegas is Inishmore. Is Inishmore. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then there's the other one, the other fort that's only, it's relatively close to Kilronan and it's called, oh, it's got an Irish name, Dun, Dun, whatever. Someone will know. It's gone complete. I've just blanked it. But, and, and do you know what the funny, so like I was on, so I went up to Dunangus. I got a bike, cycled all the way out, 7K. So, and the weather wasn't great. It was like windy. And the guy, the OPW guy who's standing and I was like, just, just chatting away to him. And I said to him, I said to him, it's like, such a shame the weather is so bad. And he goes, oh, you should have been here five weeks ago. It was gorgeous. And I'm like, <laughs> and that is useful to me. But I said to him, it's just like, what do you, like, who, built this and he goes ah you know it's mythologically and then he goes and I was like but why and he goes and he goes the way he said it he goes to show the others that I have more money than you (laughs) and I thought that was brilliant because it's just incredible like have you been I've been no I've been in this year I have always wanted to go and see Dunangus Dunangus is basically so it's like three walls that are like on the cliff and it's like the cliff is like 80 metres and it's there's no barrier or anything like I said to the guys, like, it's amazing. And he goes, ah, I would take away from the effect if you were to put barriers up. And he go, and I, and, but he said to me, he goes like, ah, you're trusting people to use their common sense. And so far, so good. Like in all the years. Yeah. I, I Honestly. It, there's, there's two areas that at some point I, I, I would love to pick your brains on at great length. One of them is Dunangas. The other one that I have never been to, but I'm very interested in is the Cage of Fields. I think the two of them as sort of archaeological and historical areas yeah. in Ireland go are absolutely um, fascinating. And what's the, what's the name of the, the weird square swimming pooly thing in the sea? The wormhole. Is it the word? No, it's dragon's lair. No, it's is called serpent's hole. Or yeah, sorry, <laughs> serpent's. But it's called the worm. They call it the wormhole. Is and it? Is this like the depressed the heron, bull, or is this the, the real name? Diving. No, no, no. They call it the wormhole, and it's called like Pollock something or other. But it's where they do the Red Bull diving. It's a cool looking thing. It, but it it looks like someone carved a swimming pool. And I they know. Didn't. It's, it's like a rectangular thing. It's class. Right, you've sold me. That's it. Go away yeah. for the weekend. Well, at least Sunday because I'm on air on Saturday. But uh, it's a good way to spend Sunday. Have you seen the weather forecast? Is it going to be okay? Is it worth trying? No, I don't. Like, But if you were there five weeks ago, it was glorious. <laughs> <laughs> Fionn, thank you very much. That Thanks, is Fionn Devonport. Tuesday Travel on the Hard Shoulder.